Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Green Magic, Green Medicine with your host, Miss Susan Weed. My name is Daniel Michael. I'm the founder and co-creator of the Main Street Universe Radio Network, and we'll be back in just a moment. Join us in our circle. Well, the plug is still spinning, spinning, spinning. Let's try a song. Here we go. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, Green Medicine with your host, Susan Weed. And Blog Talk Radio has to work out whatever's going on with the songs and the opening plugs. I press them and they spin and spin and spin. Anyway, it's irritating, but (laughs) I'm not going to let it get to me. Uh, Anyway, I see Susan is in the queue. I'm going to go ahead and bring her on. As that button spins. Hello, Susan. How are you? Well, at least that one works. You have no complaints there. There you Every go. Every <laughs> single week, I press the opening plug and the opening song, and it just spins and spins and spins and spins, and then eventually plays. You know, in the beginning of a show is what so many people will hear. And I'm trying I know, to make. it's really important to get that that identifying thing. Remember when we were kids? And TV, yeah. you know, in the 50s, and it was just TV, and you'd be in the other room, and you'd hear that music. It right. was the music exactly. for the I Love Lucy show, or the music for Howdy Doody, or the music for Milton Burrow, right? Or whatever, but you knew from the music to come running for that. <laughs> and for me as a kid, work, indeed, the 70s, it was work. like Ash. And all these other shows, you know, all in the family. Uh, and you, yeah, these these songs that would just quickly. I remember things by song. It's why I liked Schoolhouse Rock so much. You know, if you if you remember Schoolhouse Rock, I don't know if you remember that. But <laughs> it was part of the Saturday cartoons, and there's usually a little lesson lesson there. And yes, and, yes. And uh, because I remembered things by melody, when I started doing that, it actually helps me dramatically. Still to this day, it does. Phone numbers, everything, anything. To sing them, to remember them. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I do that a lot, actually, yeah. with, with a lot of things. Yeah. Great idea. Uh, I've been doing some work over the past uh, few days um, with a lot of correspondence course students. And I thought that this letter, I'm not going to name the person who wrote it um, to protect her, uh, but I thought it was um, a very typical letter. Hello, I am currently enrolled in your ABC of Herbalism course, and I want to introduce myself. I'm 25 years old, and I live in a small town. I keep chickens and bees, and I'm an aspiring herbalist. Growing up, I was a dancer. I recall going to the chiropractor to get adjusted, and he would sell my mother special, expensive health foods. As a child, I had to drink Rice Dream instead of real milk because I had to be kept thin so I could be a dancer. I was often given some kind of aloe drink that kept me thin, too, and antibiotics at least three times a year. I was told it was for tonsillitis. Well, that went on for more years than I can remember. Two years into severe bulimia as a teenager, I had my gallbladder removed. That made me quit dancing and start to be interested in getting well. So, I went to a naturopathic doctor in hopes that she could help me. But $600 later, all I had was 12 bottles of pills and a foot detox. Then, I started a master herbalist course online. I must say, it confused me and overwhelmed me. And when I asked for help, I got generic one-sentence answers and I just hated it. I knew there had to be a better, more sincere way, but I wasn't sure where to find it. Then a friend of mine said I should watch one of your videos on YouTube. Needless to say, I was very excited and enrolled in your course. I've been looking at your e-zine and your YouTube channel. Wow, you are right there for me as I'm exploring herbs. You have already taught me so much, and you haven't asked me for any money at all. I know now that I'm on the right path, and that there I can learn how to protect myself and my family using my own two hands and the plants in my backyard. Very nice. Well, not the first half, but yeah, <laughs> the, the resolution, though, very nice, or the progression, I should say, the journey, very nice. Uh, really, that's why I wanted to read it, because as I said, this is actually a very typical letter that there are many people I find who are out there knowing that modern medicine and scientific tradition is not giving them the answers that they want, and they go in search of what they consider to be alternative medicine, only to find that it's only alternative and that it sells you different pills. Yes. Whereas people are really looking for an alternative, not just different kinds of pills. And so the wise woman tradition, I am the voice of the wise woman tradition, does really offer us a different way of looking at it. The wise woman tradition suggests that we don't have to be fixed in order to measure up. And we don't want to be clean and we don't want to be balanced. But in fact, we want to love ourselves. We want to accept ourselves. And how wonderful to get to be the voice of this tradition. How wonderful to get to say to people, there is no cleansing crisis. If there is pain, then there is no gain. It's 
pleasure that brings the treasure. And to help people focus on loving themselves, starting from exactly where they are right now, without any change required. Meanwhile, we may be perfect, but we still get sick. And one of the things that kills us is infections. And so we, you and I, and the, on the Main Street crew here, have been doing a study group with Stephen Herod Booner's book, Herbal Antibiotics. And I hope that if you've been listening to me over the past, gosh, we've been doing this for over a month now, um, that you have gotten a a copy of this book so that you can be following along because there's so much in this book. It is a dense and deeply packed book, and I'm certainly going through it, picking up highlights for you and talking about the things that are really exciting to me and that I think are just, you know, really the best of the best. But that said, I still think that you need to get a copy for yourself and check out all the things I'm not telling you about, all the other things in this book. So tonight, I want to talk about the berberines. Berberine is a compound, an alkaloid. We know it's an alkaloid because it ends with I-N-E. And berberine was first found in berberus. There is this rule that the alkaloid is to be named after the plant it was first found in with an I-N-E ending. So we have a plant like coffee, and it contains an alkaloid, and that alkaloid is caffeine, right? Coffee with I-N-E at the end, caffeine. We have an alkaloid in tobacco, and for this you need to know the botanical name of tobacco, which is Nicotiana, and so the alkaloid is Nicotine. So it's pretty easy to trace the alkaloids back to the first plant they were found in and to know when a compound is an alkaloid. The alkaloid's ending is I-N-E, and the name of the alkaloid is the same as the name of the first plant it was found in. So Berberus vulgaris was the first plant that berberine was found in. And Berberus vulgaris is also known as barb. Berry. Now, this is an incredibly confusing name because, of course, there is a Barbary and a Bayberry. So there's a Barbary, a Barbary, and a Bayberry. Ha, 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 ha. Right? Whoa. Thank goodness for botanical names. All right? Bearberry or Barbary is Uva Ursi Arctostephylus. Kinnikinnik. Barbberry is Berberus vulgaris, also known as Beautyberry, often used in landscaping. And bayberry is a totally different plant whose botanical name I do not have by heart. And it is used to make bayberry candles because the um, fruit is a very waxy 
fruit, and it actually burns. So we are talking about the beauty berry bush or the barbed berry bush. And if you've ever seen the pretty red berries dangling on this bush and went to grab one, you have been barbed by the bush. I always say that one of the ways that we can hear what the plants are saying to us is that a plant that contains thorns, barbs, or stingers is obviously a plant that doesn't contain much poisons. Because plants that contains po- contain poisons don't have to protect themselves that way. Well, <clears throat> this plant has both. It not only has big barbs, but it also has some poisons in it. But the fruit is indeed quite edible and held well up off the ground. And so the birds really, really like it. Stephen says to us, <clears throat> berberine is a localized, non-systemic antibacterial. It does not easily cross the gastrointestinal tract membrane and concentrate in the bloodstream. Thus, berberine is pretty much limited to action on the gastrointestinal tract itself, the skin, (coughs) or particular organs of the body. In the case of berberines, they are highly effective in the reproductive organs, especially the reproductive organs of women. These plants, including berberines, are definitely antibacterial, but they are not general antibacterials. They are exceptionally potent if used properly. I am going to discuss berberine-containing plants as analogs for each other, especially in the treatment of resistant bacterial and fungal infections in the gastrointestinal tract and skin. And I would add to that in the vagina and reproductive tract of women. I prefer, says Stephen Herod Booner, the use of invasive species because they are easily found in the wild, ubiquitous around the globe, and harvested with abandon. In fact, <clears throat> the invasive species are free to know those who know them, and harvesting them creates no ecological problems. <clears throat> <clears throat> Certainly golden seal and topless gold thread contain berberine, but large agricultural production of these plants is now the norm. They are rarely found by wild crafting, and the wild invasives can always be wild crafting. There is a berberine-containing plant that grows in every place on Earth. Whether it is hydrastic, canadensis of the northeast woodlands, or coptic chinensis of the Chinese woodlands, or berberus vulgaris, one of my favorite invasives, you will find everywhere you go some plant that contains berberine. Given the prolific nature of Berberus and Mahonia, if you are wildcrafting, the only genera that I would suggest you use are fellow dendrons, Berberus, and Mahonia. I prefer wildcrafted species for my Berberine. They are the strongest. Domesticated plants have a tendency to get windy over time. And I particularly like the idea of using invasive plants for invasive diseases. I find it quite interesting that Philodendron and Berberus species are invasive in the same bioregion in which golden field is once 
president. It points up the rather neglected understanding that parents and their constituents perform specific functions in the echo ranges in which they grow. The loss of a particular medicinal species almost always leads to ecosystem degradation and weakness in the plants that remain there. But then the planet has a long history of endangering incorrectness. And invasive species are one of their favorite ways of doing that. Celodendron amaranth is invasive in the eastern United States and should be the main species used if it is available. I don't know this plant. I'm going to have to look this plant up. The plant is a large tree that grows quickly, producing huge amounts of berberine and other alkaloids and synergistic constituents in its inner bark. Branches can be harvested to, to supply large quantities of berberine with little or no damage to the tree. In fact, you can get several years' supply in one short afternoon. Hydrastis canadensis is perhaps the best known and most commonly used berberine containing plant, but it is limited and endangered. That's golden seal. The food is generally used, and that obviously kills the plant. Mahonia. A genus comprising 70 or so species is common throughout the world. Plant classification freaks want Mahonias included in the genus Berberus, which is why you might see Mahonia aquifolium, which is known as Oregon grape, identified as Berberus aquifolium. Whatever they decide to name it, Mahonias have more berberine in the lower branches and in the roots, and they are considered invasive, which makes them perfect for wild anything. Berberus is a genus of 500 species, whether or not it contains the Mahonias. And they also have the highest number of species that contain Berberine. Barbberry Berberus vulgaris is the best known. Again, the lower branches contain the most berberine. You can tell by scratching the branch and it's yellow under the outer bark. It's got berberine. And the roots have higher concentrations by a factor of 10. Berberus sunbergi, the Japanese barberry, which is frequently planted and around buildings, is considered particularly invasive. Coptus, a genus of 15 or so species, has a number of plants whose roots rhizomes actually contain berberine. Coptus chinensis gold thread is the best known. It is used for a number of reasons. It's relatively high in berberine content, up to 9% per weight. But the root takes a lot of harvesting because it is tiny, hence the name gold thread. The wild species in the United States are at risk and should not be harvested. And for personal um, use. Yes. Yeah, I just want to say there was a minute there where your signal was getting kind of fuzzy. Oh dear! Is it fuzzy now, or is it sharpened up? It sharpened up a bit. It was getting like a little fuzzy. I just wanted to mention that. Oh, good. Well, I help. Um, hope that this is okay. Yeah. It's, it, okay. It sounds back to normal now. Okay. Back I just to wanted normal. to. All right. Okay. Coptis chinensis is a major agricultural crop in China and is available, though it is rather expensive. Thelodendron, and it is not the health plant. It's not philodendron. It's thelodendron. It's a genus of four to ten species. Arguments are ongoing. 
of trees whose bark contains berberine. As I said, I'm going to be looking this one up. Cory Dallas, a genus of some 470 species, and sometimes added to the poppy family, has several species that contain berberine as well as hydrazine. Cory Dallas are really rare plants, at least where I live. I don't know, in the like 40 years I've lived here, I've seen on my on my land, and I have access between me and my neighbors to over 300 acres, maybe one species of Cordialis blooming once. These are not plants that I would say, oh, yeah, let's use it. It's, to me, even rarer than golden seal. And the medicinal varieties of Cordialis contain a number of opioid alkaloids, and in much lesser concentration than opium poppies. They are a major agricultural crop in China and can be purchased at reasonable price. And then he has a few other plants that contain berberines. The berberine is not very water-soluble. So if you see studies showing that a water-based extract of a berberine plant is not very effective, you know why. Tinctures need to use a fairly high alcohol content. 70% alcohol and 30% water is a good amount, and the water needs to be pretty acidic with a pH of 1 to 6. The addition of a tablespoon of vinegar to the tincture mix is recommended if your water is alkaline or if you're just not sure. In Chapter 9, I give you an extensive listing of berberine-rich plants and their water-to-alcohol ratios. Berberine is an analgesic, anti-amoebic, antibacterial, anti-choleric, anti-diarrheal, anti-dysenteric, anti-fungal, anti-inflammatory, anti-secretory, antiseptic, anti-tumor, astringent, diaphoretic, expectorant, febrifuge, anti-inflammatory, and tonic to the mucosal. Here's what's really important. Berberine interferes with the adherence of bacteria to mucous membranes. Here's the deal. Bacteria are small, but they have strength in numbers, and that's what they do. A bacteria are two or even ten or a thousand get into your body, they immediately set up housekeeping and start making more, 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 many bacteria can do a whole new generation in 20 minutes. Think of it. Right? If you start with a million, 20 minutes later you have 2 million, and 40 minutes later you have 4 million, and at the end of the first hour you have 8 million bacteria. That gets going really fast. And when the bacteria reproduce and get large numbers, they form a bacterial film. And that bacterial film, think of it like plastic wrap. It coats the mucous surfaces of the gastrointestinal tract, the reproductive tract, or the respiratory tract, thus allowing the bacteria to thrive and grow and to be protected as though they were wrapped in plastic from the circulatory system, which is bringing white blood cells to try to get rid of the bacteria. This bacterial film is one of the reasons that bacteria are able to kill us. 
It's not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons. And berberine prevents the adherence of bacteria. It prevents these bacterial films from happening. Berberines also inhibit intestinal hypersecretion induced by cholera, E. coli, and other intestinal disease organisms by 70%. Some of the most dangerous antibiotic-resistant bacteria that are out and about now that have jumped out of hospitals and are out into the general public are those that cause severe diarrhea, really dangerous strains of E. coli, and berberines are these specific agents to counter these bacteria as well as to stop the hypersecretion of liquids. What happens is as you get these resistant bacteria, your body makes more and more fluid and you have more and more diarrhea and you lose weight and you lose water at a very rapid pace and you lose electrolyte balance and this can actually kill you pretty effectively. Berberine-containing plants tend to be active against a wide range of microorganisms. Remember, they are anti-amoebic, antibacterial, anti-choleric, right, antifungal, all right, lots of things. Berberine is the most intensively st- tested of the plant's alkaloids, but hydrostine, jeterosystein, palmitine have also been studied. The various antimicrobial alkaloids in the berberines tend to be active against different organisms and are highly synergistic with each other. Additionally, they benefit from compounds in the plants whose only known functions are to disable antibiotic-resistant mechanisms in microbes. Thus, the whole plant's not isolated constituents have a greater range of action and are much more effective. So, what we're doing here is kind of talking out of both sides of our mouth, and I do apologize for that. So, we're talking about a particular kind of compound, berberine. And we're saying berberine does these things, and it's found in all of these different plants. But then out of the other side of our mouth, we're saying, but it's not just the berberine that we're talking about. We're talking about the berberine because it's an easy way to talk about all of these different plants, which tend to have pretty much the same uses. So as he started out this chapter, you can consider them analogs of each other. If I'm talking about uh, using berberus and you're saying, I only have Mahonia, it's okay. We're going to use them the same. And we're saying that it's not just one constituent in the plants, that the plants contain many constituents and that these constituents are synergistic. Have you ever heard anybody say that or talk about that? Oh, yeah, uh, the idea of, of things working synergistically and and what to, um, you know, and also what to be careful about. Exactly. So I actually think that last week that we were getting into astragalus and talking about astragalus, and so we said we would come back and talk more about astragalus. And I certainly will next week. But we have been, the apprentices and I, and have been out walking in the woods, and we saw gold thread, we saw coptus, and other things have been happening in their lives this week. 
which has had berberine come up a couple of times. And so I just wanted to jump in and spend our half hour tonight talking about berberine. But I don't want people to think that I've forgotten about astragalus. I have not. And we will go back to it. Mm, well, that's fine. Yeah, and yeah, and golden seal, isn't that another one that has berberine? Is it, there's a few things. Golden seal is another one, exactly, one that I rarely use and that, as you see, Stephen rarely uses either. As a matter of fact, this is an herb that we must say is going out of style. I've heard about that, that it's like it's kind of going away even. like they're, 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 it's, Well, it has uh, been wildly over-harvested, and at this point um, it's not considered polite to harvest any of it in the wild, and if you're going to use it to only buy cultivated golden seal, and to quote Stephen, cultivated plants get wimpy. Right, right. Okay. Because I've heard that at the store, you know, about golden seal going um, wild, uh, meaning it's going away, basically, um, because it's been over-harvested wildly. It's one of the things that plants, one of the ways that plants speak to us is they speak to us by where they grow. And had we been listening to golden seal all along, we wouldn't have done what we have done. And that is the golden seal grows far away from people. And the further away from people that a plant grows, the less it wants to be used. Hmm. If we'd been listening to the golden seal, we would have been using the plants that are closer up to us that contain the berberine. But we understand why golden seal was used because of its berberine and other alkaloids, hydrostine, Berberine, canandine, and a variety of things. It became extremely popular. It was one of the plants that I was first introduced to way back in the 60s as an anti-infective. And I chose not to use it because I've never believed that anything that tastes that bad could possibly be good for me. And that's where I started my search that ended up in my uh, rediscovering an old anti-infective that was used more than 100 years ago called Echinacea. Oh, okay. And I thought that Echinacea would be a great herb to introduce to the American public, and the American public has definitely um, fallen in love with Echinacea. And, of course, because the old always clings to the new, you many times will find Echinacea with golden seal added to it, which I don't use together at all. Mm-hmm. But it's an interesting to me... Example of you know that the golden seal is on the way out, and the echinacea is becoming more and more the anti-infective of choice, and um, yet people insist on mixing them together. Yeah, yeah. And I've also seen berberine. Well, my dear, I think we might have used up all of our time once again. Have we do that? We have, I think. (laughs) Yeah. With a little help from our friends, and a great big thank you to Stephen Herod Booner. You can buy his books from him. His last name is B-U-H-N-E-R. You can buy them on that bookseller that uh, is named after a big, strong woman. And you can also get them at my bookshop, wisewomanbookshop.com. We sell all of Stephen Herod Booner's books, including herbal antibiotics. Get your own copy so that you can follow along in our continuing Readings and Learnings from Herbal Antibiotics by Stephen Harrod Booner. All right. And thank you. Okay, green blessings, everybody. Remember, herbal medicine is people's medicine. 
It's the medicine that grows right outside your door. Thanks for inviting me to Main Street. I have a great time here. All right, and thank you so much. And You're so welcome. again, Greg, we'll return next week. It's still growing in the ground, so we can still talk about it, right? <laughs> Astragalus is still there, and it's not going to be changing its mind. Yes, we'll get right back to it. All right. Well, thank you so much. And everybody, you've been listening to Green Magic, Green Medicine with your hostess, Susan Weed. I'm Daniel Michael, founder co-creator of the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Green blessings to you all. And remember, herbal medicine is people's medicine. Have a great evening and dream well. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. <laughs>